I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with Denise Anderson, who is Chair of the National Council of ISACs and President and CEO of the Health Information Sharing and Analysis Center. So Denise, I understand that the National Council of ISACs recently met with members of Congress to provide an update on how public-private models of cybersecurity information sharing is helping the nation in its preparedness to respond to cyber threats. What was the purpose of the meeting and what were some of the key takeaways? So the purpose of the meeting was really to inform those in Congress about the great work that the ISACs are doing, the Information Sharing and Analysis Centers, the role that they play in helping protect critical infrastructure. And it was sponsored by Representative Katko, and he actually kicked off with some opening remarks, um, saying that he believes in the in the mission of the ISACs and the work that we're doing. And, and we just went over a bunch of different things, success stories, case studies of useful information sharing and things that have been happening in the various infrastructure sectors around cyber and physical security. So with that said, Denise, any real world examples that you can share in terms of the information sharing involving cyber threats or cyber incidents that the healthcare sector has been dealing with recently? Certainly, this one's not so recent, but um, it actually is a great story and one I think that doesn't get told enough. And that was in 2017 when the Pecha Not Pecha attacks happened um, across many sectors, obviously. But what happened in health was we had a number of our members. So we had about 60 individuals from about 30 various organizations come together real time and in about the space of about 48 hours, figure out not only what the attack vector was, but how to stop the spread. And then we got that word out very broadly, not just to the members, to the sector, but to the world writ large through our website. So we, we saw it as our mission to try to get everyone to protect themselves. And it was just really great work done on the part of the members of the health sector. Now, what are some of the latest and top challenges in cyber information sharing in the healthcare sector, as well as sharing between sectors and the various ISACs? So one of the myths that I really like to dispel, I'm going to start with this first and I'll get into health, is that the ISACs don't talk to each other, which is absolutely not true. So the National Council of ISACs has been around for almost 20 years. We were formed in 2003 and we're a volunteer body and we absolutely work so well with each other. There's 27 members of the National Council of ISACs, and we're in constant coordination and collaboration and, and uh, talks with each other around threats. And we have a number of ways that we, we share and work together. But that being said, within the healthcare sector, I, you know, I'm really proud of the members of the Health ISAC. And, and these are organizations that have really seen the need to be able to come together collaboratively as a sector to share information with each other and to help protect each other. And, you know, certainly there are always challenges to sharing, but, and there's certainly a number of threats that we see in health. Obviously, ransomware has been very top of mind lately, but, I, you know, other threats that, such as around the vaccine, are um, also very pertinent. And when I say specifically the vaccine, there's, um, number one, there's a, obviously a lot of different feelings out there about the vaccine and how it should be disseminated. And many healthcare workers are becoming the targets of people that aren't so enthusiastic about the vaccine. Not just from a cyber perspective, we've seen some databases and vaccine sites being taken down, but also from a physical perspective, 
where we're seeing, you know, attacks against healthcare workers and, and others. So there's a myriad of threats out there that we constantly need to be abreast of. And, you know, sharing through the ISAC is a great way to have situational awareness and be able to prepare for these types of things. Digging into some of the COVID vaccine, you know, attacks and threats that you're seeing, what, what sorts of attacks when it comes from the cyber perspective? Is it like hacktivism sort of things? Yeah. So, and um, we haven't seen, we've seen a, a few of them in the U.S., but, you know, I've definitely there's been, there was a vaccine site in Europe that was taken down by hacktivists or disrupted. And then, you know, of course, the physical side of things where there's just, you know, we're reporting on a lot of different attacks against healthcare workers. And so it's pretty alarming. And then the other factor that happened earlier on, and it's probably still going on, but it was a lot more prominent in the early days of vaccine development, was the intellectual property threat where nation state actors and others were going after the manufacturers of the therapeutics, whether it was vaccines or other um, medications regarding COVID and trying to get the secret sauce, so to speak, so that they could capitalize on that. So Denise, you mentioned Matt Petcha. You, we, as you know, as you've mentioned, we see we see a lot of ransomware attacks and other cyber incidents plaguing the healthcare sector. When you talk to healthcare sector security leaders, what are some of their other top cybersecurity issues and challenges that they're dealing with, especially as the pandemic continues? You know, one of the stories I think that doesn't get told enough is actually the fact that literally overnight, large organizations moved their operations to a remote environment, and healthcare was certainly in that mix. So literally overnight, hospital staff, you know, other healthcare organizations, their their staff became remote. And so obviously there's a lot of threats and security issues around that, and there's still concerns. I think being able to shore up the data that moves between different points, so whether that's someone's residence back to the hospital, vice versa. So that's always top of mind on how to protect that and make sure that it's not only encrypted, but it's not able to be accessed by parties that you wouldn't want to access it. But also other things like the fact that there are insider threats and we're, we're seeing where actually just recently we saw where someone was trying to get people within companies to share secrets with them or share access with them, passwords, those kinds of things. So that's always a constant threat and we're seeing that trend picking up. You mentioned you know, the insider threat and you also mentioned the hacktivism involving, you know, COVID-19 vaccines, but we are seeing some states where it's becoming mandatory for healthcare workers to get vaccinated. And some organizations are actually, you know, firing people who refuse to get their vaccines who work within their healthcare organizations. Is there much concern in terms of, again, the healthcare insider doing something malicious because of this whole controversy with the vaccines? You know, that's certainly a possibility. If you have a disgruntled insider that feels that they lost their job because they didn't get the vaccine and therefore want to do something that would cause harm against the organization in revenge, that's certainly a possibility. So it's always something that organizations need to be mindful of. So now the Department of Health and Human Services Health Sector Cybersecurity Coordinating Council, or HC3, recently issued some threat advisories for the healthcare sector, including one recently about LockBit 2.0 ransomware gang. And then also there was an earlier one about the Black Matter ransomware group. What are you hearing 
from your HISAC members or other you know, healthcare security leaders about LockBit and or the Black Matter ransomware threats, are they seeing indications that these groups are indeed targeting their organizations in the healthcare sector? I don't know that we're seeing that. What's interesting is many of these ransomware families are just reiterations of something that has happened in the past, right? They don't go away. So I don't, we haven't seen any kind of chatter where within our membership that there's targeting, specific targeting of healthcare organizations by these two ransomware families. But I think in many cases, a lot of these ransomware families, to some extent, are opportunistic, right? So they're just going for the low-hanging fruit. And I certainly see reports of various organizations that have encountered the ransomware and have been attacked and really haven't seen much healthcare lately in the mix. Any recommendations for healthcare sector entities in terms of better defending against some of these ransomware threats that we're seeing, as well as other sort of cyber threats that are kind of top of mind these days? I would be remiss in not saying that absolutely be sure to join an information sharing and analysis organization or ISAC and make sure that you're participating with your peers and and getting a lot of the insight to the various situational threats that are out there, but also cybersecurity best practices, right? So making sure that you're patching appropriately, that you have multi-factor authentication, network segmentation, um, and then also looking at things from an enterprise risk perspective, not just cyber one component of, of the perspective, but everything across the organization and factoring in what the crown jewels are that you need to protect and moving out from there. And also figuring out how long you can live without those crown jewels if something should happen. So absolute focus on being resilient and having plans in place where you can get back up operationally right away, even if an incident does happen. And of course, training, making sure that you know your staff is aware of the threats that are out there and how they can help the organization mitigate against them. We have been seeing sort of the patient safety aspect of ransomware attacks grow. There was a malpractice lawsuit filed in Alabama by a mother who claims that you know her baby died of complications because she was at the hospital in labor, ready to deliver, and the hospital was dealing with a ransomware attack, and the clinicians did not have timely access to patient records and fetal monitoring. Is there much concern in terms of not only sort of defending against becoming a victim of these attacks, but on the sort of the back end, do business continuity plans need to be tweaked or in dealing with, you know, again, you know, you can perhaps continue to serve patients, even though you've been hit by a ransomware attack, but maybe the level of information and service that you can offer is still hindered. And any discussion about that? Or is this something that you think will become sort of higher on that priority list to sort of explore among healthcare sector entities? I think the the real lessons learned from that case, and I and um I you know obviously not all the details are out on that case, and I think you know the jury is still out on what the verdict will be on that. But I think the true lesson learned from that is exactly what you're pointing to: is that we, there needs to be business continuity plans, fetal monitoring systems, electricity, anything could go out at any time for any reason. It doesn't have to be ransomware; it could be a hurricane or or you know, tornado or other kind of event. Maybe it's an active shooter event, and you have to evacuate the 
hospital. Organizations should always have plans in place for how to cope with any kind of situation that arises and be able to conduct operations appropriately. And so I think, again, the biggest lesson learned is that the staff there needs to be aware of the various tools that can be put in place and plans and processes that could be put in place to help deal with those types of situations. It doesn't matter the cause of it. It's the fact that they need to be prepared. And in many cases, we were just having this discussion um, internally the other day is that, you know, a lot of the newer staff that may not have been used to the old manual paperways have lost that skill set because they've become so reliant upon technology to do their jobs. And so, it's really incumbent on organizations to really teach, especially the new staff that aren't as familiar with the old ways, so to speak, you know, how to operate in a situation where the old ways are required. Well, thank you, Denise. I've been speaking to Denise Anderson. I'm Marianne Kolbasek-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.